0: RadioInfluence.com
1: You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and we are so happy that you are here to listen to this thing we call, albeit late or than usual, a podcast. Sorry for being late, but um, I've been traveling a whole bunch, uh, doing all sorts of projects for Impact Wrestling, for maybe Talking Shop of Mania, too. I don't I don't know. Maybe Uh, we'll have to see. But um, I will say it was a crazy couple of weeks. And um, so. I think it's going to be worth the delay. We got uh, formerly known as Heath Slater. Uh, he has a great story and he doesn't do a lot of these. So we're uh, looking forward to having him. He's going to be on in just a minute uh, before he is. Uh, I want to thank you guys for spreading the word and keeping this thing going and uh, apologize for being late once again this week. Next week, uh, we will have uh, EC3 as we've been promoting uh, as the um, Road to Bound for Glory finishes up. And uh, we're going to hear from him and looking forward to to him telling his story and finding out what he's doing, because he is a legit free agent. And we're going to be talking to Heath about something very similar as well. Also, want to remind you, you could follow me on Twitter at David Penzer, all one word. And uh, that's always fun. And uh, I want to remind you, one week from this Saturday on October 24th, Bound for Glory on pay per view. And uh, the card is getting laid out as we speak. And you could uh, check that out on the internet and on uh, the Impact Wrestling website. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, to doing it and being a part of it and being a part of some more tapings and we got some good stuff coming up, entertaining stuff coming up. And um, I, I, I do want to make this point. Um, I, I've really struggled with having. You know, guy, a guy like Eric Young and then back to back weeks with Heath. Um, I don't want this, even though I love my job and I love the company, I don't want this to become an impact centrist podcast. At some point, maybe there'll be an impact centrist podcast, whether I'm involved or not. Um, but uh, that that's for impact to produce. And, uh, so I don't want to become that, but so I, I, I had a lot of conflict if I'm being honest with you to have all these back-to-back Eric Young, EC3, Heath, but then, you know, these are guys that, you know, have an incredible story to tell about, you know, their, their, their journey in the business and working in WWE getting released on April 15th and the mass releases. And, and, and so I, I decided that this, you know, we have opportunity. I have, i I've, made you know quote unquote friends with these guys and they're, they're willing to talk to me so i didn't want to not bring that to you just because it would seem to impact so just to be clear this i love impact wrestling i love my job um i love the promotion uh be sure to catch it on uh at access tv each and every tuesday at eight o'clock or you can see it on twitch and um and, and uh, but, I you know, this will not be a uh, impact podcast. We have um, Teddy Long coming up in the queue. Uh, Curtis Hughes coming up in the queue. Uh, we're trying to get Virgil. Um, actually, he's calling me tonight at six o'clock as we speak to try to set something up. And um, I, I ran into an old friend of mine this past weekend. Uh Man, I hadn't seen. It's funny how the world works. Hadn't seen 20 years since the last uh, WCW Monday Night Show. Uh, He's been in Mexico. His name is Mark Gindrak. And he has an interesting story to tell as well. So we're going to be getting him on. So we're going to we're going to have impact guests on as well. And uh, we'll try to mix it up and uh, hopefully we'll get AEW guests back on. They still owe me Cole Cabana. So I'll I'll be reaching out for that. And um, we get some legends here as well. So all that said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest this week. He is the man without a last name. He is known as Heath. Ladies and gentlemen, so happy to have my guest this week. He is a man without a last name, uh, formerly known as Heath Slater. That Slater is now owned by a billionaire in Connecticut. And so we'll just call him Heath like we do on Impact Wrestling. Heath, how you doing, man?
1: man, I can't complain. I'm doing wonderful, you know. And and I'm not just saying that to say it. I'm, I'm actually doing very good.
0: That's good to hear, man. Is it frustrating that you can't have a last name or are you just embracing it?
1: <laughs> Honestly, I'm just embracing it. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, like, uh, you know, the world has known me by Heath Slater for, shit, 14 years, I think. And it's just one of those things, you know, like, Thank God I got to be able to use my first name, so yeah, exactly <laughs> my my legally first name, legal first name anyway. But uh, it's just one of those things where, like you know, like everyone has last names or three names or crazy names. You know, I'm just going to be me and just go by Heath. And it's easy to chant if you think about it.
0: So you're you're Heath, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, about your journey to Impact Wrestling and your career. <laughs> and uh, so welcome to City Ringside. Um, I am assuming that you grew up as a wrestling fan. Usually, usually, the first question I ask my guests if they uh, if they are wrestling fans, and every once in a while I have a guest that was like, "Oh no, I never, I, I didn't grow up watching wrestling. I kind of found my way into it." But I'm assuming that you grew up a wrestling fan. Uh, who were some of the, the one the wrestlers that you uh, that were your favorite growing up?
1: Actually, I didn't grow up a wrestling fan.
0: Ah, see, see what see what they say about <laughs> assuming.
1: Hey, so, I'm playing with you though. I was oh, a huge oh. wrestling fan. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I've been oh. around you and I've talked to you, and you seem like you know. You don't seem like you're just oh, here because yeah. you found your way to a ring and it was a job. But, uh, <laughs> but anything no. is possible, man. So, so who oh, who are some of your favorites growing up? Well, you, you got to remember, I grew up in
1: a small little town in West Virginia, where you know WWE honestly never came around my area. You know, it was just independent shows and, like, NWA and WCW. So, I, I grew up an NWA and WCW fan, like, through and through, like, watching the Horsemen grow up. And, like, my, my huge, my favorite's always been Sting. So, you know, seeing Sting, you know, live was just, like, an oh ooh, and ah for me. Like, I got to see Flair and Sting wrestle. I got to see the great Muda and Sting wrestle. So, those are, like, really big things to wear. like, now – Looking back, I'm like, holy crap, it might have been a live event, but I still got to see it, and that was cool, you know? So, uh, oh, that, it was just one of those cool. things that were like, I, oh, yeah. It was just one of those things, like, like it, I blame it all on my grandfather. Because he was always such a huge wrestling fan, and he would take me to, like, you know, the little independent shows at the bingo halls and high schools, and, you know, like, and whenever it came on television, I would watch it with him, but, yeah, I always blame him, it's all his fault, like, he put it in (laughs) on me back when I was a kid.
0: So yeah, old NWA—that's what I grew up on. A little bit of WWF, but uh, NWA. And uh, so it must be uh, kind of fun to uh, have work with uh, Arn guys like Arn Anderson and Mike Rotunda and uh, the produ- uh, Fit Finley, some of the producers that you work with in WWE for the longest time, and to get to know oh, yeah. now, get to know now guys like uh, the Rock and Roll Express, and and uh, it must be pretty cool.
1: Oh, it's amazing being honest. Uh I mean, like Arn Anderson has helped me. Since my developmental days in w w e into my career in w w e and into just growing to be have a friendship, I mean he still checks in on me to this day, you know, and it's one of those things that where like we've gained respect for each other in like not i don't want to say in the ring but just in wrestling and outside the ring because like his wife and my wife are buddies and all that stuff and he's just always been just a stand up guy, just always told it how it was, if you liked it or not, he never would BS you like he would always be just you know, just a good human being to me and he would help me, you know with stuff that I can do in the ring and then he would help me with like finances outside the ring Like, oh, save money, try this, do this you need this, you know, like help me like put my money where it should be so it can grow and stuff like that, like he's just been an all around big help with me
0: he ever cut a promo on you and make you laugh at your own uh, weaknesses? Of course, your own equities. I, I travel. Uh, you course. know, I, we've never talked about this, but I traveled with Arn Anderson uh, for four or five years when I was in WCW. we were very good friends. He doesn't still. Awesome. Che- he doesn't still check in on me though. No, he does a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> out of sight, out of I, mind, I, Hey, hey, enjoy it while it lasts, because after a decade or two, you're, you won't. You, you won't hear from him. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> or maybe he likes oh, you damn. more than me. I don't know. Um, that's really cool, though. He's a great guy and a great teacher, and uh, and that, that that it sort of explains, uh, you know, uh, you're being down to earth and and, and you know, kind of could laugh at yourself and stuff like that. So that sort of explains it. Oh, so, man, if
1: if you can't laugh at yourself, there's something wrong, man. <laughs> you know? No, I know. I agree. You have to, especially in this you have business. To. Certainly. I was about to, you took the words out of my mouth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny that, you know, in my real life world, people try to like, you know, insult me or, you know, say things to upset me. And I'm like, really, other than messing with my family, there's just like nothing you could do that's going to bother me. I've been in the wrestling business 30 years, man.
1: Uh, Yeah. I can can honestly say being in the wrestling business has definitely um, had me grow patience. Like, yeah, uh, sure. i used to i used to not have patience i used to be like a little spit fire firecracker but uh over the years man like i feel like i have became a patient man like these little things that used to make me mad doesn't anymore it's like you know it doesn't matter it's like, yeah whatever you know but uh but yeah but, you know like you said friends and family you mess with them it's like okay gloves can come off for one time or two
0: <laughs> exactly but other than that uh Really hard to, to get me angry. So now now we got a bunch of tapings and Bound for Glory coming up, and now you and, and the Good Brothers and, and Brian Myers and all of you, you guys will probably sit around trying to figure out ways to piss me off. So uh, <laughs> Probably. You're probably right. That's fine. Um, it's a good thing that we stay at a different hotel, I guess. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, right. it's a really good thing because uh, I have to be up early in the morning and function all day, and I don't know, after hanging with you guys uh, up in uh, Georgia a couple times
1: i was about to say that. That's all the good brothers, man. They're the wild ones.
0: <laughs>
1: They're the crazy ones.
0: They are. So anyway, so uh, you started training under Curtis Hughes, who actually yep. you just you just saw. I wish I would have known that. I'm yeah. um, going to talk to you guys. We just saw him up in uh, Georgia, but um, uh, I remember uh, him in WCW, and Harley Race was his manager and his bodyguard for Lex Luger. Oh, it's a long time ago. Um, how did a small time kid from West Virginia, your words, uh hook up with um Mr. Hughes?
1: Um, well, after college didn't work out too well for me, um, a couple of my buddies that I used to backyard wrestle with, you know, whenever you were in junior high and high school. Um, I I went to uh they went to uh the school down in Georgia that Mr. Hughes was training at. So you know, after I had to come home and tell my mom, you know, hey, can't go to college anymore, this and that, you know. She just, you know, lost her cool with me and just was like, get out of my face, I don't want to talk to you right now, blah, 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 blah. So I, I go up to my grandfather's and I tell him about it. And I told him what I was wanting to do because he would always be like, all right, now you did this, so what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, well, I'm wanting to do this, you know. And I go to Georgia and start wrestling. And he's like, what, Really? so it just got his attention to where he was like, let me talk to your mother, you know? And then not even three days later, man, she just was like, so you want to wrestle, huh? And then my papa would like send me money for me to help me out. And they all went down with me. We stayed in this wrestling house, this and that. And I remember just walking up to that school and just seeing nothing but hopes and dreams. And it was literally connected to this, old strip club where you all you heard was music playing through the walls and it just smelled like anything and everything. And it just was like one of those things where like, I know for a fact, my mom was like, what the hell is this? But I just was like, this is it. This is where it's going to happen. <laughs> this is my start. And I went there, man. I went there for about nearly a year and a half, some change. Got on the Indies and stuff, started working around, and as soon as Deep South pretty much opened up down there, the WWE developmental system, and like, I got signed. Because like, I wasn't I- on the Indies a lot at all.
0: So I, I know in hearing your conversations with Air Paris down there at uh, Gallo's place uh, last time that you actually yeah. had some matches in Wildside uh, for Bill Barron. I, did. And I, I don't think that's very well known. <laughs> I kind of looked around to see if the, that was on the internet, and I really couldn't find it. Talk to me about Wildside, yeah. how long did you work there, and some of the guys you work with. Would you, I'm assuming you work with AJ Styles, or was that after he was done? Well, it, I
1: literally saw AJ there one time. Uh-huh. And I saw him, Christopher Daniels, um, David Young used to go there a lot. Um, like, like I remember those guys, but it was literally, I mean, literally, like I saw AJ there once and he was out, you know, and then like I remember David Young would be there a lot. And um, I remember Sonny Siaki was there a couple times. But it was just like one of those things to where when I got in, like Wildside was like, at it, it's like seventy five percent about to like turn into anarchy, and then I think it's still anarchy right now. But I just remember going to the event and being like, "Heck yeah, I'm on this car. This is great!" And just seeing it and being like, "My goodness, this looks like a rundown barn." Like
0: what oh, the hell? I did a couple of you shots know? there. Yeah, it's a it, it it sort of makes that strip club uh, uh, next door sound uh, sound like right. a, a man like a mansion. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, like, but it, what was funny to me is that, like, you look at it and it doesn't look like much. You know, it, it's like, like that whole judging the book box cover thing. And sure. next thing you know, you get inside and they had a nice little setup, man. Like, a nice little arena seating, a rampway, light, yeah. fog machine, like all this stuff to where you're like, holy hell I've made it like this yeah. is this is the indie I want to be at like this is it and you know only wrestling for like not even a year I mean I'm green as you know the grass I'm just like whoa this is great this is crazy blah 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 but like my time at Wildside was like um I tagged a few times I maybe did a few singles I worked Azrael Slim Jay um David Young there um who else was some of the guys? Like, I think Avalanche was one. I think that was his name. Um, but, yeah, like I've, I've worked some of the guys in there. But it was like once Wildside was there, then it, like, switched to Anarchy. And then I was at Anarchy for a little bit. And then I moved from there to, like, GCW. That was, like, I think down in Columbus. Um, and then after that, man, I got my feet in the Deep South.
0: Yeah, how did you get? How, how did you get there? Who discovered you? Because that you, you have a very unique story that was almost right from uh, wrestling school to uh, to WWE performance. Yeah.
1: well, I would I would tour a lot, like do these indie shots around Georgia with this guy named Crew Jones, and he was just you know like a stud man, like good looking kid, built, had a personality, you know, like didn't even have to try and could just be over. And he just had, like, that, like, he could be a bad guy, good guy, ill, babyface, whatever. Um, but uh, he just always got booked everywhere. And, like, me and him had a match together, and it just was good. And we clicked. And next thing you know, he was like, hey, I'm going to get you booked on all these shows, and me and you just going to go around doing these little tours type deal. I said, done, easy. And then he was getting looked at by WWE. So he went up there, worked a couple shows, and then they asked him, they're like, hey, man, do you have a baby face? you like working? They can come up here and put you over? So that's when he came and contacted me. And the whole thing was that they were looking at him the whole damn time. And I got up there, we put on a hell of a match and everything, and the next thing you know, they started looking at me also. And there was like a tryout, a tryout coming out like three months later. So they said, hey, we want you on that tryout. But what really, really sucks is that like a week or two before the tryout, crew blew his knee out. God, ah. like blew like H C L, MCL, everything just bam. So he missed his tryout and then like all the guys that were in the tryout got signed besides Cesaro. And I'm just like, how in the hell did that work?
0: <laughs> oh my god. Cesaro
1: is the best he's the best one out of all of us. And it was just crazy. It was like so everyone got signed crew couldn't make the uh try out because he blew his knee out and cesaro for some reason didn't get signed so it was just like how does that work
0: wow so you go to deep south how long were you there for i don't get the impression you were there without all that long
1: well, well deep south man i was there i was just that guy that kept coming in and out and just putting their guys over every thursday tv but I had a reputation wrestling around in Georgia as a little baby face and people liked and they were at the shows too. So I would come out and get like a nice little babyface pop and they're all just like, well, who the hell is this kid? And then that just like people would come each week and support me and everything to where I was up there, you know, just doing job matches for shit for six months. And then that's pretty much when I got to try out, I got signed and then, not even six months later, it shut down.
0: Yeah, I didn't. And I didn't have off. the. Yeah, you know, I went to Florida, right?
1: Yeah, we moved to Tampa.
0: Talk to me about um, working with Jody Hamilton. He's uh, one of the most influential guys in my uh, career. If it's not for Jody Hamilton, I wouldn't be in this business right now. Uh, he, he's been yeah. on this podcast, and he's a dear friend. Uh, Talk talk to me about uh, you know learning under history for just a little bit. Did uh, were you were you almost too green at that point to be able to appreciate it, or was he able to help you out?
1: I, I want to say I was too green to appreciate it, being honest. Because yeah. uh, I remember we would always do state uh, like tape study, and you know you're young and everything, and they're going over the tape and over and over and over, and one match takes an hour and a half, and you're just like Jesus, like come on, can we have like you come in at this time and let us talk about your tape and everything. But we would literally be like reviewing tape for hours and everyone's just half tired, hungry and everything. So you wouldn't really appreciate it as much as you should, you know, but then again, it was like deep South and we're working with one TV, a E T R, you know, like, you know, we didn't have everything that like, you know, the guys have today and stuff.
0: You couldn't do so a zoom call. One.
1: Hell no. <laughs> I think my face was cool then. Um, I think I said MySpace. Wasn't it called MySpace?
0: MySpace, yeah. I yeah, never had it one. It
1: was cool, but, oh, but I think I had one. I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, it was one of those things where, like, he would always uh, go over the match thoroughly and everything. But I feel like he, he would always, you know, stick with the, the old school strategy and we don't need this, we don't need that. Because, like, he, me and Kofi Kingston, we were two of the baby faces there. And Jody wanted to turn me heel. And the way he wanted to turn me heel was just one clean sucker punch to the jaw. And he would literally go over exactly how I had to throw this one sucker punch to the jaw for like an hour and a half. And he was like, that's going to make the whole match. It's going to do this and that. And, you know, back then you're just like, we get it. (laughs) Please. I get it. I get it. But um, I could just—I just knew that he was like very passionate about the little details. To where now in wrestling, I understand that those little details make so much of the match. And, oh, absolutely! Like, Especially an
0: angle where you turn heel, uh, for sure. Oh, yeah, for
1: sure. It, and that's like one of those things. Back then, me being twenty, twenty-one at the time, <laughs> twenty-two, just a kid. It was just like, okay, okay, I just want to wrestle. Can I get a cheer and a boo? That's all I want. (laughs) But now I get it. I understand it.
0: So what about uh, Bill DeMott? Lots of controversy uh, abounding about him. Did you have any (laughs) interesting experiences with uh, uh, Hugh Morris?
1: Um, I can honestly say Bill has always been good to me. Um, his training is different. His training is tough, rough. It's like Marine style wrestling boot camp training, and um, I ain't gonna lie, it's hard. Like uh, I can honestly say that with him training me, I didn't really learn much about like the whole psychology factor and all that stuff. And I think that's why we had Jody there. But, um, Bill legit got us in some of the best shape to where there is no way in this world you would ever blow up. Like you would go and do an one hour Ironman match and still be okay to do another 15 minutes afterwards. I mean, he just would like boot camp train you to where you just would not blow up. Like you would be in the best lung shape of your life
0: yeah that's uh that's old school uh training that's how sarge was in the power plant as a matter of fact when oh, they yeah. would have like an open uh, c- uh call at the power plant uh in the wCW offices it was adjacent in a wh- in part of the warehouse in the back and um and they would uh get on the 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 intercom system and they'd say they're starting to do squats. And if you weren't yeah. busy, you'd go out there and you'd watch and see how many guys lasted and how you know how many squats. So they and you'd see these guys who were in incredible shape. I mean, you know, look like you know uh, bodybuilders. You know, uh, oh, and, yeah. and and just you know after a hundred squats, they they couldn't walk. It was crazy, yeah, but for sure. that's that's old school. But uh, you know, times change. You got to ch- change with the times for sure. But um, it's a, that was the way it was oh, done. Yeah. Um. You were in the original NXT. Talk to me about that. That must have been interesting.
1: Man, that that that's a story in itself, man. There you I mean, go. It was one of those, it was just one of those things to where we we were eight excited young kids going to WWE thinking that we were going to have like our own little show and whoever wins, he's going to go on, but something would happen with us, this and that. But then it turned out to be like this. We have no idea what we were doing. They probably (laughs) didn't either. Um, It turned out to be like a game show type thing. And we had pros as judges and we had to do like, you know, they own keg carrying contest and obstacle course, cut a promo on a word that you don't even know what the word is for a minute in a live audience. Uh, you know daggone, i I don't even remember everything that we did. it was just it was damn ridiculous, being honest, and um, but yeah, but I mean, you ask any of us this, and they're gonna say exactly what I'm saying. you know, it's just was like one of those things where like, what the hell are we doing like this is this is the, what I signed up for, but you know, I mean, thank God at the end, you know, um Nexus came about it, so yeah, I was gonna it ask makes you. sense now.
0: Nah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that night after speaking to Arn Anderson. I remember that night after uh, watching that angle. I texted Arn Anderson and said, "That may be the best angle I've seen in years." And of course, it took him a few weeks to blow it. But uh, but but <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I mean the detail. You know, you talk about one little sucker punch. The detail that went into that angle, where you guys just uh, you know basically. You know, it's been done. Tired of it. It's been done many times now, and it's sort of like what Retribution is doing, I guess, in a way. But, but yeah. that was the first time I had really seen it on that level, where they just you, you guys took out the entire studio, the the, the announcers. Yeah. The I mean, it was <laughs> a real invasion. It was it was as good as I've seen since the NWO. Um yeah. How did they screw that up?
1: Summerslam, man.
0: <laughs> well, first of all, how did you guys feel? You know, you guys must have been over the top, over the moon. You guys get back. I'm sure everybody's high-fiving. You guys just, you know, did something. The world's talking about it. You know, hell, if, if I'm texting Arn about it, you know it was something special. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not just saying that because you're on. I've, I've, that's the truth. Um, and um, and then, I don't know, when do you find out that uh, uh, Daniel Bryan's been fired?
1: the following next day or the next week on Raw um, he, uh, they legit said that they released him because I guess the, the choking scene and the spitting and everything but I, I, I mean to, all to be fair they literally told us to do whatever the hell we wanted they told us to take everything out rip everything up make it look like a bomb went off in the middle of that damn ring He said, the only thing you can't do is touch the cameras and touch the people. They don't hit the fans, don't touch the cameras. I mean, you know those cameras, they're like 250 grand. Like, one camera, you know? So, like, I get it, okay. But, But then it was like, so we can do whatever else we want. He was like, destroy the place. So we're like, all right. So I think everything we did was exactly what he wanted. But I feel like what happened was is that, USA said, "Oh my goodness, you're choking this dude. You're spitting everywhere. This is uncalled for. You know what I mean? So they had to do something.
0: Somebody had but, to know, take a fall. Take a fall for uh, for something that wasn't their fault for sure.
1: That, that's the fact. Not his fault at all. He was in the moment and it was great. I mean, it was great. Um, and then next thing you know, that happened. Of course, we all was like, man, that's bullshit." Um, but, um, thank God they brought him back, you know, for like the whole next little piece for SummerSlam for WWE and everything, but they still shouldn't have beat us at SummerSlam. They should have let us take over. Let us dominate WWE. Holy crap. They are in jeopardy. Nexus is on top of the mountain looking down at everyone, ha, ha ha you know, even have Vince come in and be like, yeah, this was my master plan. They're with me, you know, anything. But, and then at Mania, man, have like Cena, Edge, Jericho, Taker, Kane, show whoever heels and baby faces group. Yeah. Have this <laughs> ultimate
0: group, you know, and then have them destroy us. Shit. You know, my like, goodness, that easy. It and seems like it was just like, it seems like they get cold feet on stuff still to this well, day.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, when we got there, we were going over. And then four hours before we go live, we're not. Oh, really? So, yeah, so something happened. Someone went in there. I mean, everyone points the fingers at JC and all that. But who really knows what happened? Vince might have changed his mind at the last second. Who knows? But I just know that we were winning. Jericho and um, Edge pretty much structured it to where we were, and it was great. And, and at the end, it didn't happen.
0: Yeah, they have a, for a guy who really did some daring stuff when he went national and you know went opposition and and took the chances on the rock and wrestling thing and and MTV for somebody who who accomplished all that and built a, a billion dollar empire it seems like they they don't have a lot of confidence the last twenty or so years I'm not saying that in a negative way you just think that somebody like that would be like you know what this is what we plan, this is what we're going to do for better or for worse yeah, and they and so sure. many times so many times they they get something that's working uh whether it's on purpose or not you know sometimes it's just organic like rusev day and stuff like that and they just decide yeah. they can't go with it anymore and I, I just don't understand it. we talked to eric young last week a little bit got some insight a little bit about you know vince and that whole process but i just don't understand it you know especially if something's organic you know or something you, you hit on something that really worked like next, oh, yeah. you got to go with that
1: it's it- it's one of those things like you know like once it's organic and the people love it and everything think about it you can't really lose because they're into it but when you have a boss that's a control freak and he wants it his way yeah. he don't he don't hear none of that He don't hear it yeah, you know you. all he hears is well this is what i want it's not like let me clean my ears out and say holy crap when their music hit these people go crazy these people hate these people. Oh my goodness. Let's try this now. Let's get creative. No, they ended
0: pretty crazy. So you did a, a legends feud, which I'm sure must've been a blast for somebody who grew up a wrestling <laughs> fan, but talk to me about how fun that must've been.
1: Brother that, that still today I feel is like the, one of the best things in the whole WWE that I ever did. Um, and it's because I, I was a fan growing up, you know, and I still am. You know, it's one of those things that we like, I remember looking at Vader and Sid and Keish and Animal from the Road Warriors and, you know, and Piper and all these guys but behind the guardrail and looking mm-hmm. and being like, holy crap, those guys are scary. Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, 20 years later, I'm in the ring. Watching them come out. Watching them come to the ring and being like, Holy crap, I'm gonna get killed, but this is gonna be great <laughs> You know? Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy how it works. And it's crazy how life takes you through these journeys, but man, that run with those legends was like it was leading up to Raw one thousand. So I remember getting to the arena, going to talent relations, seeing Carano looking on the damn list and seeing Heath versus Vader. So I'm thinking, Oh God, who's dressed up as Vader? Who am I putting (laughs) over? You know, egg on my face again. Um, so it was one of those things where like, I look at, I think it was John Cohn, and I was like Vader. And he just, his eyes just get big. He's like, yeah. and I'm like, is this a rib or what's going on? He said, Oh no, it's, it's Vader. I said, Holy shit. What really? Like the, the, like the Vader and he's like yeah I was like whoa so I get excited and then I hear that Mike Rotundo my agent and I'm like man I was like like Vader Vader and he's like yeah man he was like leading up to Raw 1000 they're going to do this whole each week bring a legend in blah 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 this and that and I was like do they have me working all of them and he's like no nah, we're just going to cycle in guys this and that I'm like no hell no I said, who's writing this? And he told me, I think it was Ed. So I go to Ed. I'm like, Ed, man, each week you have a new legend come in. Each week, this and that. I was like leading up to Raw 1000. I said, let me be like, you know, anti-legend. Get these old asses out of here. I don't want nothing to do with them. No one else does either. You know, I said, put me in this slot, and I'll put them all over. Like I'll be like the legend builder instead of the legend killer. And he just loved it. And then next thing you know, I go to Vince. I'm like, Vince it's probably going to come to me, but I want to say it first, blah, 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 this and that. He just smiled. He was like, you want to do that? I'm like, more than you even know? Hell yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, it was just like, okay. So each week, man, I get to cut like a little minute promo. Here comes the legend. And it was this like heaven every Monday for two, three, three weeks, I think. No, it was like six weeks.
0: Yeah, it was a while. And then they all got the – they all – uh uh Got got you back on the on the uh, thousand show. Uh, did one you know? Thousand, did you know week by week who you were going to face, or do you just come to TV like going, oh, I wonder what legend's going to be here this week for me to put over?
1: It was hit and miss. Um, when I, I didn't know about Sid until I got there, and when I got there, I saw Sid. I'm like, what? You got to be kidding me! Like that—that's the one that I pop for the most. Being honest, I know, I take that back, Vader. It was like a tie with Bader instead because I remember being legit scared of those guys when I was little and literally being like, Oh no. Like, uh, this is this is nuts. Like, I'm really working these guys. But that those two are the ones that got me like excited, excited. And then like it was one of those things when I was working Road Warrior Animal and, I, and then he and then Hawk was like one of my favorites. Like, I mean every little kid loved the Road Warriors and working him and him being so damn cool. Just so laid back and just easy. And I'm just like, whoa. Like, I wonder if he was like this all the time. Like, he'd be easy to work. <laughs> but yeah, it's it a... nuts.
0: And uh probably oh, and, the...
1: Roddy, and Roddy Piper, man. I was gonna ask Him, you about Roddy. Lopper, yeah. Like Roddy's such a sweetheart. Like uh I was I a, was his
0: I was his tour manager for his book tour. I I spent 45 days in a tour bus crisscrossing the country. Um but uh oh, yeah, damn. he is a sweet is a sweetheart, you're right. But uh he also wants things done a certain way and if you don't do it that way, but that's a whole that's my story not yours. Um but yeah, he is a <laughs> sweetheart. That a, one. Sweetheart of a guy. Um I'll tell you over some vodka sometime. <laughs> there uh, we
1: go. We do that one day.
0: But uh so um, I was going to ask you your favorite legend to work with. It sounds like it's between Piper, Sid, and, and uh, Vader. Probably the reason you didn't hear about Sid until you got there is because probably nobody thought he was really going to show up.
1: That's did I say fact, that out loud? Because, <laughs> yeah, I think you did. I think I heard that. Um, I got, no, I got but, but nothing. But I did... Just
0: just for the record, before I get blown up, I got nothing against Sid. Great guy, had incredible charisma. Yeah. but uh, But, you know, look. It's it's pretty well known. I think, if, if you book, I think if you book him, he, you got a fifty yeah. fifty chance he's going to play softball that day,
1: dude. That that's that's honestly, and I'm saying this to cover your ass. That's what you hear. You that hear that true. from everybody. Hey man, it's fifty fifty. You might get him, but if he has a softball game, he ain't coming. I hear that from everybody. And I got a buddy up in uh, New York that has a toy shop that you go and sign for and meet fans and stuff, and it's so fun. Um, and Sid's supposed to be there and it didn't show.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been that way for 20 years, but uh, the, and it's just a testament to his his charisma and how over he got himself that he could still pull oh. it off. People still will, will take a chance on him. So uh, That's a know.
1: fact. That's a fact.
0: So I, I'd love to. Uh, one of my biggest regrets is I never got to work a WrestleMania, and I know you worked some. Uh, what was your first yeah. WrestleMania? How was that? And then what was your favorite WrestleMania moment that you were a part of? <laughs> uh,
1: my very first WrestleMania moment. Uh, well, I could say like, all right, my very first WrestleMania was when we were NXT, and they had us just to walk out on the stage with the battle royal you know, when the battle Royal was going on. And I want to say that was like in Phoenix, Arizona or something. And I remember we walked out and just seeing the people, but the if the crowds were like half full because people were still coming in and yeah. it was like the, 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 the rumble was going on and we're just out on stage and looking and being like, damn, there's going to be a lot of damn people here. And, I mean, it was just, you know, one of those like moments where you're like, holy hell. And then I remember John Laurinaitis walking out being like, yeah, maybe one day y'all be lucky enough to work on this show. And I'm like, hot huh, day. you're right. But you, know, probably not. <laughs> um, and then the following year, man, we had a it was like after the whole Nexus run and all that stuff. And then we became that group called The Core.
0: The Core and yeah. it
1: was me. Yeah, me, Wade, uh, Gabriel, and Zeke. And we we get to work um, Big Show, Kofi, Santino, and Kane, I think. And next thing you know, I think Cody and Ray Ray had a match before us, but they went like five to eight minutes over. And we had like a 15-minute match, but we had one entrance with us four and then four other entrances. So five entrances leaves us to ten minutes. But with us losing time and everything, I remember we got to the ring and the re- the bell rung and the ref was like, go home. Go home. <laughs> I was like, I look over, I'm like, what the hell, what? He's like, go home. So I'm looking at Santino and he's coming to lock up with me like to do our little opening spot, man. I just kick him right in his gut. And he's like, whoa, what? <laughs> I said, we got to go home, man. Hit your comeback. <laughs> and yeah. that's what we I've said. heard that.
0: I've heard that more than once, more than twice, uh, from different people in different WrestleManias. That they, you know, there was a, especially the first WrestleMania. It seems like almost a rib, you know. They they had this whole thing planned out, and then they uh, another match goes long, and they say, you know, oh, you, you, now your match is three minutes. Go, it's uh,
1: oh yeah, and, and I'm not lying, man. At every mania, the damn entrance ways seventy five yards long, you know. Yeah. so it's like it literally takes a minute and a half, two minutes to get down that shit. unless you're like really booking it and walking to where you look weird. And they're just like, why is he walking so fast? You know? Uh So it's just like, it's like, don't even put me on then.
0: So at what point do you start getting frustrated? Uh, you know, like you said, you were there for 14 years. That's a long run. And basically it was the first, uh, you know, major wrestling company you'd ever worked for. Um, At what point does this frustration start settling in, uh, you know, about, you know, they do something, and they kill it. And then they do something, they kill it. And then, you know, they wouldn't do anything for a while. Uh, Do you remember a year or an angle or, you know, anything like that?
1: Well, I think it's always with I mean, not just them, but it'll go like this with any company It's just like the lack of communication. I mean they they'll have like good angles to where like if they just stick with the plan, it'll work out great, you know, but if they don't stick with the plan and they want to start throwing everything like all their little seasonings on it, and then it just doesn't become organic or real, and then it's you're playing the character instead of being who it is or what it is, but it's like with me, man, it's like I feel like that's been like pretty much the story of my life with w w e it's like they they i never i felt like they never really wanted me to get over as much as I could just because every time like something good would happen with me and the people's with it and you know, I'll throw some ideas and it works. And then next thing you know, they want to switch it and then they end the story and then put me on ice and you don't see me for a year and a half. And then if you do, it's me putting over this guy or me making this guy look good, this and that. And then it's like one of those things, like once that happens to you about four or five times, then you start getting frustrated. Then you start asking questions, but then they're saying, oh, you're asking too many questions. You're being a bother, you know? And it's like, well, what the hell? Like, well, what can I do? You know, and there's just no communication in between the lines. And it's like, hell, you know, you're paying me and you got a guy here that wants to work and wants to do things, but you can't get anywhere. It's just like tires spinning. <laughs>
0: Who's also pretty entertaining on a microphone, by the way. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming at some point you had the opportunity to leave, when you didn't. You stayed uh, just to just you know just make as much as you can and retire uh, early, or you know not to be nosy. I'm just curious.
1: Oh no, you, it's one of those things you got to think, man. Imagine me being twenty, twenty two, twenty three, getting signed. Knowing these guys all the way up to thirty-seven years old, you know, like, you know how like stuff becomes a family, and then people bicker and fight, but you know you're comfortable and all that stuff. It's one of those things, and then you know the last contract I signed was one of those things where like a contract was coming up. I had like six to eight months on it or something and then next thing they know it was one of those things where they just lay down an offer where you just can't refuse and okay. it's one of those things where like you know yes you're unhappy and yes you're bitter a little bit but then again you got to remember like they take care of me a lot you know this man I do have a family I do have bills I do have you know people relying on me it's like shoot I'll sign this for three years then okay yeah. You know, and certainly when you go home and you sit down with your family you talk about it, and it's like, you know, I mean, it's like a group effort decision. So, I can I'll eat some more shit sandwiches, you know. But yeah, the money numbers.
0: That, things, go, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, the money outnumbers your your fire and passion for the business. I guess you just settle, and I, I hated it.
0: Yeah, the because numbers I, that I the denied. numbers that I heard. Uh, Thrown around to to guys that would have been probably in your uh, you know kind of uh, push range. It's just uh, you can't turn it down. I mean, you just uh, you, can, I you just did, can't. I know somebody. I know somebody. I know somebody who did turn it down, and I was like, why? So you're frustrated, but you you know you're making good coin, and COVID hits. And April 15th comes about and a whole bunch of people get uh, released. I know a lot of them were surprised and some of them weren't. And I'm t- trying to think, you know, again, instead of just asking you, I'm trying to think, you know, part probably part of you probably wasn't surprised, ba- you know, based on your part in the, sh- in the on the card. But I would have to think that part of you probably was surprised that, you know, you thought you were part of this family and all of a sudden you're not anymore. Let me know how you
1: felt. Yeah, I I was straight 50-50, and that's a fact. Um, I I literally was one of those guys, like, because you woke up and there was, like, a message on our app from Vince pretty much saying, hey, there's going to be changes. We're going to have to furlough some people, this and that. But he he never said that. I I can recall that he was going to release people type deal, you know? And then, like, and we get that, like, 8 in the morning. So it was just, like, we all get this message and then like we're all like yeah there's gonna be some firings and shit going on and so you know guys are texting me I'm trying to make breakfast say, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm I'm sitting there texting the guys back and I literally just was like nah man I think if everything's cool you know like I'm thinking the whole thing like nah we've been there a while man we just got new contracts we're okay like I'm, I'm pretty sure we're good but then I started thinking, you know, well, what if we all sign these big contracts and they're wanting to save money and they're going to get rid of everyone that just <laughs> signed exactly. these deals? You know, so I'm just like, hmm. So I look at Steph and I like show Steph the video. She's watching it and listening to it. She was like, yeah, I think mean, this ain't good for anyone. I said, probably not, you know? So, you know, I'm making breakfast, you know? Just to be clear, just area. to
0: be clear, when you say Steph, you mean your wife, not Stephanie McMahon. Or maybe it is well, Stephanie sure. McMahon. <laughs> no, Step, Hey, honestly, hey, Step let's, me, let, let me have that Warrior, scoop. Man. Come on, man. No, she is. I <laughs> met, I, I met her at a WrestleMania uh, brunch when they were having WrestleMania here in Tampa. Uh, and, uh, she was a uh, super, super sweet. I gotta say.
1: Yeah. She, I can honestly say she has always been so sweet to me, like just always been such a good person. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at my wife, my wife, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and I'm like showing her and you know of course she's like ass don't look good this and that and then she's looking at me what do you think and I'm like I don't know you know I was like I feel good but I don't it's one of those things where like I- I'm literally like I'm straddling the fence on this and then <laughs> like Hawkins or Myers now calls and texts me he's like hey man I just got released and I was like what and he's like yeah and I'm like dang okay and then Gallows. <laughs> And Anderson, I see pop up, and then Ryder gets it. I'm just like, holy shit! And then, like, I'm like, I'm in that category with these boys, exactly. And then, yeah. And then next thing you know, like, um, I forget what I was doing. I was doing something with the girls, and then I go back to my phone, and I saw a missed call by Mark carano uh, and it had a message saying, "I need to talk to you, pal." He always calls you, pal. Um, so it was one of those things I looked at Steph and I just showed it to her, my wife, Steph, I just showed it to her and, um, she just was like, well, okay. So I go out on the, my patio and I call him and he, I'm just like, man, you're telling me after nearly 15 years, COVID had to take my ass out. <laughs> I, I didn't do a damn thing. And COVID had to take me out. Are you kidding me? You know, and he, and like me and Mark, we've always had a good relationship and he's always been just like, he just was like, man, I hate doing this, but my goodness, man, I don't know, man, he just just like, he didn't want to say it, you know? And I just was like, bro, it's all good. I said, I was there for 14 years. I said, I had a great run. I said, I did some amazing things and saw so much stuff. I thought I never would see. I said, I need to leave though. I was like, I need to. And he was like, you've been saying that for five years. And I said, I meant it every year. Like, and it's true, though, because I was there for so long, and I have not got to ever do anything else, like, ever. Like, I, like these big indie promotions that I want to hit, I've never got to do them. Like, you know, even even like when it comes to like all these other promotions, you know, when it comes to like with Impact and New Japan, you know, and like even like ROHs and all this stuff, like I have never got to do any of them. Right. But now it's like I get, I get to do some of the things I want to do. Like I'm excited and I'm so glad that it's happening like now because like I'm wiser, I'm more seasoned. I know how to do things, I know how to book myself, I know how to like go in the matches and stuff to where it's like, uh, like you know, like I'm I'm not this green boy no more trying to go and work for 20 bucks. It's like, I, I know my, my style, I know what I need to do. I have friends pretty much everywhere because I don't like burning bridges. Um, so it's like, I get to legit go and have fun now and enjoy wrestling and have that fire again and get excited. And it's one of those things that were like, I would have never quit WWE. I never would have. But when I was there and the stress that I was under and the mental stress and the whole, you know, like, self-medicating yourself and all that stuff through the years and all this, it was like it wasn't good for me. But it was one of those things that were, like, I just kept going. And wouldn't stop and just let it just keep building up and everything. And like, since I got released, I don't want to say it was like, oh, a weight was lifted off my chest. But I can honestly say that a lot of stress left. Sure. And like now I like I'm home more. I'm getting a better relationship with my girls. Like I'm being legit a daddy instead of being like a daddy two days a week. You know, so it's like, it's like, it's a blessing in disguise is what I like to say, because yes, it sucks losing your job, but then again, like opportunities and new things are opening for me to where I'm having fun. I'm getting the love of wrestling back and I'm spending a lot more time with my family.
0: That's awesome. So you, so you got your head in a good place, and they call you and ask you if you could come back and do uh, an angle with Drew McIntyre, your former oh yeah three uh, MB. Uh, what were you thinking at that point?
1: Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I'm serious. Well,
0: uh, you, did you did it. You did it. So,
1: uh, well, th- this is where the whole and I've like, you know how you have brothers in this business, yeah. And when when I say brothers, I mean, I still have a message link for me and all the Nexus members, mm-hmm. me and the core members, me and 3-on-B, me and Social Outcast, you know what I mean? Me and Beauty and the Man Beast with Terry and Rhino, you know? So I got, like, like I talk to these guys all the time, you know? And they're, like, legit friends of mine, like my brothers. Sure. So it was one of those things where... The I forget the guy's name. Some writer, like, texted me about it, and I just was like, no. That's all I put was no. <laughs> and then, and, and it was pretty much come the Raw, do this thing with McIntyre that the people got to see, and then the following Raw, do something with Dolph, and then whatever that pay-per-view was that they had, I had to do something there. It was like a three-week thing. And then I literally just put no, because I didn't want to go back. I got released. I'm focused on other things. I'm moving forward. And then that's when Drew calls. And I'm just like, man, no, you know, like I don't want to do it. You know, and he's trying to convince me and all this crap. And I'm like, no, dude, I don't want to do it. You know, so we hang up literally like two days later, he calls me back because he talked to his wife and she was like, you remember how you felt when you got released? do you remember, you know, you didn't want to do this, you didn't want to do that, you know, all this stuff. I was like, what do you think his head is at? So he came back, you know, with a a better way of saying things, I guess you could say. And um, we're talking, and we talked for like an hour. Um, But it was just pretty much he was like, think about it. I got this story going. You just got released. No one would ever expect you to show up because of what happened. He said, you get to come to the ring, cut a promo on me. I'm the champ right now. He said, if you get re-signed, great. If you don't, at least you went face-to-face with the champ and told him how it was, show, show a good showing, you know, and then you can go off and do whatever you want. He was like, I look at it as you have nothing to lose. So I'm just like, man, you're an asshole. I don't want to talk to you right now. Let me call you back. So next thing I know, I go and talk to my wife about it and all this stuff. And she literally was like, you have nothing to lose. So why don't you do it? So then that's when I called Drew back and told him I would do it. But it was like, even when I told him I would do it, I was just like, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't really want to do it. Even when I'm on the flight, flying to Orlando, getting the COVID test, sitting in a room with Drew, just BSing with him, having a beer and catching up. I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, why am I here? Like, because like I was mentally gone from it. And and then I literally just told myself, I'm like, bro, just hit a home run. Just go out there and show them what you could have been doing for the last 10 years up here on television. She was like, speak, I was like, literally speak from the heart. Let me just kill it. And then I just remember getting there. And the writer gave me a, a sheet of paper, and I just handed it right back to him and he was like uh like looking at me i said man i know what i want to say i said what's some of the bullet points that i'll just hit him and then he just told me some bullet points what i should say or you know like a couple of things that they wanted to get in there i just went out there with drew i was like hey baby let's have a good time <laughs> and that's what we got
0: well you know i i you know i i can't say whether it was a positive experience or a negative experience for you looking back but um I will tell you that it, it opened a lot of eyes for people that, uh, you know, it, it, if, if you have an, it, you know, somebody has operated to put out like a demo reel. That was sort of like your demo reel. Cause I remember I was up in Nashville and um, my son, my 26 year old son, huge wrestling fan. Yeah. He just, he texted me and he said, he Slater just cut one of the greatest promos I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I looked, Damn. I looked on, um, I, so I looked on Twitter, and I was listening to it, and it was a hell of a problem. And I was going to ask you how much of that came from the heart because it didn't sound like a typical WWE scripted promo. So um,
1: – Oh, no, yeah, thought uh, Like I was saying, I told you, man. They handed me a script, and I handed it right back to
0: them. <laughs> hey, there ain't nothing to lose at that point. You're already fired. It's bro. like old Ric Flair <laughs> exactly. Eric, Eric Bischoff. I'm already fired. Fire me.
1: I, 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 I swear I was faking that crap. I was like, <laughs> what are they going to do? Not air it? What are we going to do? Fight, like, legit, take away two more checks of mine? Like, what are
0: they going to do? Hey, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. Um, wrapping up, uh, just tell me a little bit about the differences, positive and even any negative uh, coming to Impact. I know catering's probably not as good, and, and uh, you know, it's, it, you know, uh, but but I, I, I think the vibe there is really cool. What, you know, coming from WWE for 14 years, what have you, what has been your experiences uh, being with Impact?
1: I can honestly say that impact for me is like a breath of fresh air. Um, yes, I'm in a storyline trying to get a contract. In, and then if the world really wants to know, I really don't have a contract. <laughs> Everyone's you know. like, oh, yeah, you're signed with impact. I'm like, no, I'm actually not. They're like, oh, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, it's storyline. I get it. I'm like, no, asshole, really. I don't have one. Like this is legit kind of like a real time thing right now. <laughs> like this is legit happening. Um, but I, I don't think people really realize that, um, that this is like a, um, real life story. That's actually
0: going on and we don't really know how it's going to end. Cause I still don't either, <laughs> but it's funny. You're going to take, right, like- if you, if, if, if take Rhino down though, without giving away any spoilers. Well, I, I mean, I hope not. I'm kidding. I don't want to. Um, no, I don't I'm don't kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, I could, um, I could, I could, I could, I could say that unless it's a giant NWO Eric Bischoff type work, uh, then you do not have a contract.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, on the shoot, I don't. But I want one, and I'm gonna keep trying. You know, <laughs> hashtag Heat for Impact. Um, but no, honestly, the the one thing that I could honestly say that I like about Impact is that I, I feel like it's like a team vibe. Um, certainly, the, certainly, whenever, you know, we all did Slammiversary, there was a lot of eyes on it, and it was an amazing moment and everything and a lot of fun. Um, the next following day, when we were, like, doing a couple tapings for the following weeks, it was like, you all had a meeting. And then a Zoom meeting on the screen with like all the everyone involved, like everybody. And like boss mans were there and all this stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, they're just like wide open with this shit. Like, yeah. I want to ask you a question,
0: <laughs> you know?
1: But like, I'm just sitting back in the shadows, listening and observing and watching. But I love it how it's like communication's easy. You, you you get to legit do what you want, and now, I wouldn't say everything you want, but, like, they don't say no a lot when it comes to your creativity. And mm-hmm. I love that fact because, like, it's one of those things where, like, you would kind of come up with something WWE, and it's like, no, this is what they want. No, you got to do it this way. I'm sorry you have to say it like this. And I'm just like, I don't even say big words like this. I don't even know what this <laughs> word means, you know? So, like, can I just say shut up instead of will you please be quiet you know you know whatever but it's one of those things it's like an impact like you you get to be creative you get to have fun it's a team atmosphere and like honestly like i say like it's a breath of fresh air like it's it's very nice and honestly the catering really ain't bad because that euro (laughs) stuff
0: y'all bring in with the that's good that's
1: Dude, it's so good.
0: That is good. I told Scott. I uh, so, told Scott that I was like, "That's like the best stuff you've ever served." That, that and they give you pe- fresh pita bread and a salad, and it, it's dude, uh, it, it it's it's fantastic.
1: It is delicious. I mean, I would have that every day for lunch for three days there.
0: That's what I told him. I said, "Why well, why mix it up? Just bring that gyro stuff dude, up." I dude, agree yeah, a thousand it's percent. It's so good. It's it a fantastic but, but plate can, of food.
1: But I can honestly say, um, right now, my career. I am focusing on my mental health, my physical health. Um, I am wanting to do new things in wrestling. I'm wanting to hit up some cool indies and do some shows. I'm wanting to do a lot with Impact, but everyone's going to have to sit back, wait and see, because honestly, that's all I can give you because that's all I got. Um, But yes, I'm getting that little flame back, that fire, and I'm getting excited about it and i haven't had that in a very long time so the only thing i could say man this is going to be a little roller coaster ride so strap on strap in and hold on
0: well that's a great way to end it thank you for your time uh and uh, we're gonna find out, I guess, uh, how this thing ends because this is the the story is not written yet for real. Uh, and uh, very true. <laughs> so, so we're gonna all see, and uh, I guess we'll we'll find out at Bound for Glory uh, one week from Saturday, October twenty fourth. One week from this Saturday, sorry, October twenty fourth, yep. or or in the weeks to, uh, following that. Uh, on Impact Wrestling on Access TV Tuesday nights. Hey, Heath, uh, great talking to you. Thanks for for coming on. And uh, I will see you in uh, about a week and a half. And we'll find out how this Uh, roller coaster ends.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah, buddy, man. Thanks for having me.
0: That was a fun conversation. want to thank Heath for sitting in and sitting ringside this week. That was fun. And that is a shoot, ladies and gentlemen. uh, Unless him and Scott Demore have a conversation from the time this was taped to the time this was put up, which is probably ours because we taped it the same day it's going up, and come to an agreement, there is no agreement as of now. So you want a true uh, hook for a storyline? That's real. Anyway, uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Saturday, October 24th, Bound for Glory. Don't forget, you could watch Impact Wrestling each and every week on Access TV and on Twitch Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Um, and uh, like I said, coming up next week, we're going to have EC3. But then weeks, future weeks, we're going to talk to Mark Jindrak catch up with him. Uh, We're going to talk to Mr. Hughes, Curtis Hughes. We're going to talk to Colt Cabana, hopefully with AEW and uh, have a bunch of fun with that. So uh, if you like what you're hearing, spread the word. Tell your friends and neighbors. Uh, Be sure to follow me on Twitter at David Penzer. And if you can, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Until next week with EC3, uh, my name is David Penzer and I'm still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer
1: Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio
0: Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast.